I'm Jo Nuri and this is the Gram Sham podcast series on Kaya FM. Welcome to the Gram Sham on Kaya. I'm Jo Lurie. On Youth Day, one of the Gram Sham posts that made the most impact came from Letsejo Zulu, where she said, Yes, you see me smiling. Yes, you see me laughing. Yes, I look like everything is all right. Truth, the heart bleeds and the tears flow. Sure, that's very deep. Letsejo is joining me in studio today. Welcome. Hi, Joe. Thanks for having me. That really, like, that made a, a huge impact on a lot of people. And when I was reading that last night and, and reading it now again, it really gets you because it's, I think that speaks to a lot of people for a lot of different experiences. But when you think of what you were going through at the time, and I know that the picture you were referring to was three or four months after your husband had passed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can almost feel the lump in your throat mm that you were feeling Mm. at that time, biting back tears. Mm. So you spoke about smiling through the tears and pushing through the pain. Does Mm. that sum up like how you made it through the past two years? It, it, it does sum up how I made it through the past two years. And, and for me, it's not necessarily about putting on a brave face for the public. Mm. Um, For me, the, the one person that I do this for is my daughter. Yeah, and it has been that from the beginning. Um, I have never wanted to impose any of my feelings and emotions onto her. So, you know, even two days after her dad passed away, two three days after her dad passed away, I would smile at my daughter. You know, I want her to to learn of her dad's passing. I mean, she was only just. One, she had just turned one yeah. um, at the time, so she obviously had no understanding of what had happened. And she'll learn of it as time goes. Um, but I'm one person that's very, very conscious of, of what I put out there and more, more specifically for my daughter. Um, my own dad passed away when I was two years old. Oh. And... So that is like uh, an awful part of history repeating itself. Absolutely. Yeah. And my mom never imposed any of her feelings onto me. Um, in actual fact, we probably only started having our first conversation about my dad when I was about 16 years old. You know, when when my fr- I'd see my friends with both moms and dads. Not that I didn't know growing up that, you know, a household has a mom and a dad. I think I grew up just being fill you know in a home that's just full of love um my mom's sisters my mom's brothers um i i I had enough love to go around and um you know only when i was about 16 17 i then asked my mom what happened to my dad so what is that like you know so obviously with your daughter being so little she's around you a lot and you you feel the need to be extra present because Mm. you are her her primary source yeah. of love and care, yeah. except for obviously the extended family. How do you keep that strength up in front of her? So obviously now, two years down the line, I'm in a different space. Yes, yeah. um, I've accepted that Gugu had to go. It was his turn, you know. The truth of the matter is we all come into this world alone and we'll all depart on our own. Yeah. And 
having gone through this experience particularly, I mean, of, of course I had lost so many people prior to that, family members and, and, and friends along the way. But when something hits you so close, it, um, it leaves you with certain lessons about life. And, um, you know, ac- ac- acceptance is one of those things that, that is humanly, I don't want to say impossible, it's mm-hmm. just generally tough for humans to accept that this is the cycle of life. Um, I'm in a different space now. I, I smile because I want to smile. I smile because I choose to press the reset button every single day and experience each day as it comes. And because things make you smile. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And I choose to be present in life and experience everything as it's laid out in front of me. Yeah. Because holding holding on to the past will but only keep you in the past. Yeah. I'm not saying that I've forgotten about my late husband. Yeah. Um, in actual fact, the one thing that I often say in public to people is, I'm not mourning his passing. I don't mourn. I choose to celebrate. Hmm. I had him for 16 and a half years. And at the time of his passing, that was literally half my life. <laughs> And um, and that's a gift. That's a God-given gift, you know. So so that when it comes to a huge gift, yeah, yeah. So so the one thing I often say to people is, you you know, the way you view life and the different challenges that you get thrown at you, um, kind of paves the way of of how you're going to deal with life. Hmm. I somewhere, you know, probably about two, three, four months after Gugu passed away, chose to look at it as a celebration of his life. I think that also is testament to the partnership you had and the tools you gave each other and the the strength you gave each other. I think that's that speaks volumes of the confidence you built in each other. Absolutely. I mean, um, Gugu and I were inseparable. Mm. We, we we dated for 13 years. <laughs> sure, <I don't. laughs> that, got, that takes a strong woman. <laughs> and a very patient one yeah, too. Wow. We dated for 13 years, you know. Um, a lot of people, you know, would say to me, he was your everything. How are you managing to live life? No, he wasn't my everything. He was part of my life. He yeah. was part of my story and I was part of his um, and yes, till today, the tears do flow and I allow them to flow. Mm. I'll be driving down, you know, Jan Smuts or Witkopen or whatever it may be. And one of his favorite songs will come on the radio. Unfortunately, that's something that will hit me even 10 years down the line. And, and I'll break down and cry, you know, but that's life. And you don't because stop yourself because you've got to just no. let it go. Yeah, I don't stop myself. I'll reach for that tissue and I'll wipe my tears and I'll continue. So, you know, you lived a big chunk of your beautiful 16 and a half year love story with Gugu in the public eye. And you did that very generously. Um, and that seemed to continue through the grieving. Did you grapple with that decision to continue to share him with the public? I mean, I... I saw it almost immediately. You just it seamlessly just stayed in the public. Did you selfishly want to pull back and go, no, I'm keeping this for myself now? <laughs> Initially, I wanted to be selfish and keep yeah. it to myself and literally just shut down and switch off and get off all social media and, um, I guess, 
deal with the loss on my own. But yeah. he was such a public person. He yeah. was loved by so many, so many people. You know, not just South Africans. People across the world. Um, you know, one one of the things he often used to say to me was, "Don't be afraid to be selfish with yourself." Hence, initially, I wanted to be selfish with this process. Yeah. But I think just the outpouring of love from everybody and it still continues till today two yeah. years down the line i still get that complete stranger that will walk up to me in a shopping mall and want to give me a hug yeah. and i understand why they're giving me that hug and it's always welcome you know i'll walk into um you know a, a supermarket and the manager will come and hand me a bouquet of flowers well, that's what I want to ask you. So, like, grief, we all go through it at some stage. There's nobody who's exempt from loss. We m mostly do it very privately. Mm. I mean, grief and mourning rituals are very private things. Mm. I'm, there are very few people who've had to do it so publicly. The way that Gugu passed and it being, you know, part of the, on Mandela, I mean, it just was, they could, it couldn't have been more public. Uh, I just, does it, sharing this with the public, did it make it harder or easier? You know, I, I chose to do it my way. Yes, it was public. Um, there was a lot of, um, what do I call it? Sure. I, I, from what I understand, in those first two to three weeks, there were huge debates amongst people that I chose not to listen to. Mm. Um, there were, you know, conversations on radio. There were newspaper mm. articles. There were social media posts about the way I chose to, um, I don't want to say grieve because I didn't grieve. I choose not to grieve. But the way I handled um, myself um, as an African woman, mm. um, because we supposedly meant to grieve in a certain way. But you know, the way I was brought up, the way my mom brought me up, she brought me up to be an individual, to do things my way, to not be afraid to go against the grain. And I particularly remember a letter that my mom wrote to me. Um, I think I must have been in standard two, standard three. See, now I'm giving away my age with the standards. Um, but I was in boarding school from... Okay, let me let me be current from grade four till matric. I was in boarding school. And of course, you know, when your parents are so far from you, they don't know how you're grappling with, um, you know, with, with teenage pressures and all of that. And my mom used to write letters to me. And I remember the one letter that she particularly wrote to me where she literally said to me, you know what? Um, remember, you came into this world alone. Don't be afraid to stand on your own. Don't be afraid to do things your way. Don't be afraid to to stand out like a, a sore thumb. And and I've grown up with that mentality. Mm -hmm. I do things my way. I chose to stand up at my husband's funeral and speak. I chose to come back onto social media three to four weeks after he passed away. In actual fact, I was scrolling down on my Instagram, and I'll show you after this. I was scrolling down on my Instagram to the very first post that I posted after he passed away. I think it was about three weeks, three weeks after. Um, in actual fact, it was on Women's Day because he passed away um, I, yeah. on the 18th of July. It was on Women's Day. 
and uh, I was at a fitness at a, at a at a fitness event wearing leggings and 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 a top that you know if I raise my arm my midriff <laughs> my midriff got exposed and I stood in a certain way where my midriff was exposed and I remember looking at that picture and thinking he would have said oh yes baby that's a hot picture and I actually posted that particular picture with that in mind you know Goodness gracious me, I was never ready for those responses. Mm. There were a good 200 responses on that particular post. And all I do is I just read. I read and I don't allow anything to affect me. Um, but And you know with social media, there are always people out there with their mm-hmm. guns ready to shoot at people. <laughs> so, that, so, that, so the negative posts were dealt with. Uh, by my fellow social media friends. <laughs> they'll take them down, they'll go savage on them. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And, but for me, what really blew my mind is how people feel they have this um, entitlement. Their ownership. And ownership. Even of your grief. Of your life yeah. in general. And, oh man, I just read and I just smile and I move right along and I say, bless you. But that's the, that's actually one of the things I really wanted to talk about today is, did you find that people were auditing your emotions? So it was like, don't be too happy too soon. You're, you're too happy too soon. <laughs> don't be too sad for too long. And almost like, I mean, this would make me want to scream, but a sense of strangers telling you Gugu would want you to be happy now. Like Gugu, you know, wouldn't want you to be sad for too long. And I mean, who would know better what Gugu would want for you than you? Exactly. <laughs> all, all I can tell you is, you know, for 16 and a half years, having that special man in my life, I was always smiling. Hmm. If I ever had a dull moment and, you know, things weren't going too well at work or whatever it may be, he would work very hard on a daily basis to make sure that I'm smiling. Um, and, and, and with that being said, I know that he'd want me to be happy. And mm-hmm. anything and everything that I could possibly do to keep myself happy, he would want me to. The adventure couple. <laughs> exactly. And I, and I clearly remember a, a, a phone call that I received from a friend, I think about two weeks after he passed away. She called me and I remember exactly where I was driving. I was, I was on Jan Smuts uh, and I was passing Hyde Park. You know that um, Jan Smuts and, and yes. William Nickel yeah. intersection? My phone rang and, and my friend says to me, how was your day? And I said, um, oh, it's, it's, it's been okay. You know, I wasn't back at work yet and I had had a day of pampering. You know, I went and got my hair done and my nails done. And she says to me, did you go to the gym today? And I'm like, no. Did you, did you ride your bike? I'm like, no. Did you go for a run? And I said, no. Why all these fitness questions? And she says, when last did you do any form of physical um, activity? And I said to her, the day I ran down Kilimanjaro. And she says to me, do you know that Gugu is up there in heaven looking down at you, shaking his head because you are not doing that one thing Mm. that makes you happy. And that phone call was the biggest smack in my face and the biggest reminder that that happy soul who passed away would only but want happiness for me. Yeah. I mean, why would he want anything else? Exactly. Exactly. Why would he want anything else? 
do you find so this presence on social media and you you know you have been quite like militant in a way of staying on social media and and keeping a very happy presence on social media and i think that people you know are voyeurs and they almost want to see pain on social media and they want to see the sadness and you have been so good about maintaining your life on social media and maintaining your identity as Letsejo and not Gugu's widow on social media mm. and you honor him and pay tribute to him and respect him on social media when it's appropriate mm-hmm. but you maintain your identity mm. but do you find that there must be days where it takes all your earthly strength to get out of bed and be happy because there must be days where it's it's difficult or there must be days where you think of him and you're a little bit sad and then somebody tags you in something or wants to be sad about Gugu on social media or something like that. And does it bother you that people are able to access your emotions through a platform and they may not even know who you are? They, they're strangers to you? Gosh, I get inboxes all the time. Um, inboxes on my Instagram, my Twitter. Um, and And it's exactly that you know people mm. imposing their sadness yeah um onto me they i don't think they realize that they're imposing um yeah. it's but well meaning it's <laughs> for the most part i think it's well meaning and in other ways i think it's just as people are grief thieves as well they kind of want to attach themselves <laughs> to other people's emotions no, no absolutely but you know joe i my my biggest thing that gets me moving and living life on a daily basis is the truth of the matter is that the clock keeps ticking. Yep. It doesn't stop. The clock keeps ticking. Life's got to be lived. Um and 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 one's just got to keep marching forward. Yes. I, I've got a constant I've got a daily reminder of Gugu and that's our daughter. No, <laughs> I look at her, she's so I look cute. at her every single day, you know. But I I make a conscious effort to be present in life currently. I'm, I, I choose not to be held up in what happened two years ago. Mm. In actual fact, in our household, we keep him alive, very much so, because we've got pictures on the walls. And she's three now. Two years later, she still knows and remembers that that's daddy. Yeah. So we we treat him like he's he's alive in you know in our household and and it's the norm yeah. you know because the truth of the matter is one well I choose not to grieve yeah I choose to constantly celebrate him and that's why I will go and ride crazy eight day mountain bike races you know in you his said memory it's crazy you <laughs> I know, I'm use crazy. the word crazy <laughs> but your relationship doesn't end after 16 and a half years. Your relationship with Gugu continues. For like life, your love affair continues. <laughs> That's it. It's like, it's not like you broke up. You know, it continues. Yeah. So, Although Home Affairs has it differently. Well, <laughs> home Affairs was, doesn't was, exactly have feelings. I was feelings. told by a Home Affairs official that, oh no, there's no marriage here anymore. Wow. Absolutely. 
they really they have real empathy. <laughs> they operate Zero. with real none. empathy. None. But the truth of the matter is, you know, life's got to be lived. He would want me to be happy. And God willing, somewhere down the line, I'll meet somebody new or he'll send somebody for me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and. Well, things are as they're meant to be. I mean, exactly. it's, it's no coincidence that a little, a little baby was left behind. Like it was all, it was all the way it was meant to be. Exactly. Exactly. Speaking of your daughter. Mm. You know, this whole concept of it's okay not to be okay. Mm. How do you teach that to your child? Because the natural instinct as a mother is to make everything okay. You know, your your child hurts herself. You kiss it better. You want the tears to be gone. You want everything to be okay. How do you teach your child it's okay not to be okay? My parenting style is very different. When my daughter falls, I don't run to her. I stand right where I am. I crouch down to her level and I say, come, come tell mommy what happened. <laughs> must be hard. <laughs> no, not at all. You know, the, the truth is kids will be kids. Kids will fall. Kids, you know, things will break. They'll hurt themselves. Um, I don't know where I get it from because I've never been a mom before. Um, but that's just, that's, that's my parenting style. And if she cries, I, you know. I, like I said, I crouched down to her and I said, come, come tell mommy, what's wrong? Why are you crying? Hmm. You know, but it's also okay to let the tears flow because yeah. I've realized there are times when I want to try and wipe her tears away and she says no, which is a good thing. Yeah. Let the tears flow, my baby girl. Well, I think as women, I think we, we bite the tears back and mm. we put so much pressure on ourselves to bury our feelings. Mm. And I think that's a lot of the response you got on that Graham Sham post was... Like this collective sigh of relief, like, oh, it's okay, it's all right, like to just let it go a little bit. Like people were so surprised that it was okay to not be perfect all the time. Do you think, so I mean, in your case, you say you you, you suck it up for your daughter because mm. that's, you know, you have to do that in general. Do you think that this putting on a brave face is a coping mechanism for ourselves to stay in control or is it to make others feel more comfortable or is it simply to shut others out because our pain is private? I think very often um, we do it for other people. Hmm. Um, you know, you, 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 you want to be viewed a certain way and it's, and it's, it's not healthy. It isn't healthy. It's not healthy because the more you bottle things up, you know that that one dreadful day there will be an explosion yeah um you you have to let it flow you have to just let things happen the way they are meant to um i remember i can't you know i can't even remember how many months after google passed away but i was driving with with my business partner luckily she was driving and i was in the passenger seat and um I, I read something on a street post and I just burst into tears and she and she just allowed me to. She mm. quietly turned down the radio and we continued. Five minutes later, she said, are you okay? You know, you, you have to just let it be. Let it happen. Um, bottling things up or, or carrying yourself a certain way for other people is one of the most unhealthiest things. You need to learn to be selfish with yourself. And if it means grieving in private then do so you know it was my choice to do it in the public eye purely because we were public people yeah it was your choice but also it was <laughs> okay part of it wasn't <laughs> i mean did you really have I, much I kind choice? of i kind of ran with it yeah because of what it was yeah i mean 
it was your choice and at the same mm. time he was just your husband was so adored absolutely it just i mean you would have been incredibly unpopular if you had snatched that away from the country in a way like yeah. people just you know people wanted wanted to just pour out their love absolutely you know? i absolutely. think they just felt i think people felt bereaved they just it was just it was a very sad thing that happened um for everyone but then it was also i think why i felt for you was besides your loss was that you know people wanted something to offload their mm. sadness onto mm. and then you became the receptacle for everyone's sadness so i just you know i actually i was at um a studio the one day waiting to go and do an interview and it was a couple of weeks after gugu had passed and you went to go do an interview on anela's show mm. and i just remember seeing people you know falling all over you basically and i just thought you know i just felt for you because i'm just like i couldn't think of anything worse than having people crowding me at mm. a time like that and mm. you were so gracious about it mm. but i just thought that it's just like it's almost intrusive it's borderline intrusive it 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 is but i think at the time i understood that i'm not the only one grieving he was loved by so many people you are We're so all... unselfish you are in, you're a much better person <laughs> than i am yeah no he was my gugu but he was everybody else's gugu yeah <laughs> and um but but you know with with my personal healing process i somewhere down the line chose to distance myself from certain people that i felt were taking me five steps back yeah you yeah because you were really Well, everyone I'm, I'm everyone, trying to move forward everyone heals at a different pace and no, that's absolutely. the thing as you it's like running a marathon or cycling a race everyone does it at a different pace yeah. and now you are being dragged back with the rest of the pack exactly and it's exactly. hard because you know there's some people you'll bump into at a, at a supermarket who haven't had a chance yet to offload it onto you mm-hmm. and two years later they're now going to start crying yeah because they haven't had a chance yet to do it and I I I think it's just people need to write a nice letter you know <laughs> and you can open it at, at your pace I just think it's I think it's people need to be more sensitive to that to that fact yeah but but also one thing I've learned about um grief and loss is that w- one doesn't really understand it if they haven't gone through it and uh you know in the past two years i've probably had maybe two or three um times where i went on facebook in particular and i wrote the do's and don'ts um with you know uh dealing with someone that's lost a significant other yeah. things to say things not to say yeah and i think it was more more focused on things not to say yeah um or things not to do um because people just don't understand they they can't really put themselves in your shoes i think you should write a book i'm serious <laughs> i have started good i think you should write a book i think it's exceptionally important i think you know besides the fact that we all have cultural differences when yeah. it comes to that sort of stuff yeah. in terms of empathy and emotional intelligence i think people really lack when it comes to grief yeah and um how we do it differently and when you're the person who 
is trying to move on with their life and moving on doesn't mean leaving behind the memory of yeah and it also doesn't mean that you forget the person it doesn't mean that you're trying to wipe them off your memory it doesn't mean you can't mention google i mean google must be mentioned in your life a a million times a day yeah he is part of your daily existence you can never get away from them you would never want to get away exactly but you know sorry for your loss two years later is not it's not helpful no (laughs) no it's not but um yeah i think education is (laughs) please write the book we will all support it it's key um but yeah we we all deal with these things differently um people are still crying two years down the line people will probably still be crying five years down the line and and i i just have to live with it yeah look it's testament to what an amazing man he was and he he was an amazing man. Mm. I mean, I received um, an inbox message um, a, f- a few days ago from someone who lives in Seoul. And uh, they had bumped into a fellow South African and they got excited because, you know, you're so far away from home and you're meeting a fellow South African. And immediately they started talking about Gugu. <laughs> Two years down the line. And you know what? It's not a bad thing. It isn't a bad thing. It just thing. shows that he impacted so many people's it lives. It isn't a bad thing. It, will, it means he'll be kept alive forever. Exactly. But it's just how people approach you and the boundaries mm. around that mm. that should mm. be maintained. But, but also, you know, you know, talking about how people approach you and, and, and almost encroach on your space, um, that whole thing of... Oh no, you you'll never find another man like Gugu. <laughs> People say the darndest things. <laughs> I mean that's that's almost like a curse. I mean that's you'd like to think that your husband will have a part in like blessing you with that. You know, not that I'm actively out there. I'm not saying I'm in the market or anything. I'm just saying um this is not an this is not an invitation no, no, <laughs> for no, application. No, definitely not. Um, but it's 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 incredible how um, people almost want to dictate to yeah. you. And social media plays a very big part in that because I feel like social media feels like your followers feel like they're stakeholders. <laughs> in your life. In your life, right. <laughs> so you have a substantial following, mm-hmm. and which means you now have shareholders. Like they <laughs> are shareholders in Litsejo Inc. <laughs> like you now have, it's like you, you need to put it up for vote. Like may I date now? Because <laughs> no, heaven, you are not ready. Heaven for, you need to like have a poll, an Instagram poll. Like may I, may I date now? <laughs> Is this man good enough for me? Because if he's not, like I know that you're all going to have something to say about it. <laughs> it's terrible. Social media really has, in a way, I mean, it's fantastic because in a way, social media has given you a platform to, uh, you know, to to invite people into the areas of your life you want to have mm. them in. Mm. But it's also invited them into a whole bunch of areas that they don't have any business in. Especially, look, when you, when you and Google invited South Africa into your life, mm. into your wedding, you know, into your trips. You never expected that they'd be invited into this part of your life. <laughs> you never and, saw this coming. Yeah. So now they're part of, they became part of your, you know, your loss, mm. which now invites them into this next chapter of your life. Like what happens if you meet someone? So, I <laughs> despair for you. <laughs> No, like I said, I can just smile and wave. (laughs)
<laughs> You're gonna have to go into the witness protection yes, program well. <laughs> if you meet anyone. <laughs> okay, let's talk about like your release. I know you love exercise. You have these amazing pop up gyms. Mm. Plug it. <laughs> so, so um, I studied sports science and mm. biokinetics, and I, you know, obviously specialized as a biokineticist, and I practiced for five years. But, you know, with 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 being a biokineticist, you can only see one person per hour, yeah. or per half an hour. So by the end of the day, you've only really touched eight to ten people. And I've got a passion for people. I've got a passion for helping people, and that passion came when I think I was a must have been about 19, 20 years old. And uh, I was a manager at, uh, at, at a Virgin Active. And, you know, I'd see so many people that would walk up to me asking me for help. And I thought to myself, eight to 10 people per day is just not enough. I want to help people. So, um, you know, a, a, a friend of mine who 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 I had shared my health and fitness passion with for many years said to me, I know someone else who's very passionate, you know, just as, as much as you. And um, he organized coffee for myself and my pop-up gym, my current pop-up gym partner, Ketiwe Mlangeni. And we had coffee and that's essentially where the whole pop-up gym idea came about to try and make this health and fitness thing fun for people. Yes, for me and her, it comes very naturally. We wake up every day and we're like, okay, what am I doing today? Am I boxing? Am I running? Am I cycling? Am I, you know, what am I doing today? But it's not like that for many people. A lot of people find health and fitness, um, they're almost treated like a chore, like that, mm. that one thing that, oh my gosh, I need to drag my yes. feet. Apparently I need to do this thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and, and with pop-up gym and, and the public activations that we do, it's essentially about bringing like-minded people that have some sort of passion for health and fitness or would like to have a passion for health and fitness come together have a fitness party you know put on the bluetooth headphones the music comes straight to your ears it's like a little silent disco it, i've it, seen it's, it's essentially a fun. fitness silent yeah. disco and you see how people just switch off and they're in their own worlds and they are dancing and they're just having fun and they walk away three hours later after having exercised for three hours saying oh my gosh i didn't actually feel like i exercised for three hours Three hours. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, <coughs> so, so yeah, that's that's essentially where Pop Up Gym comes from, and it's and it's about moving people. Yes, the big thing that um, a lot of people share um, in in the health and fitness industry is that whole eighty percent diet, twenty percent exercise. But the truth is, that's more focused on weight loss. Mm. the The biggest thing that the World Health Organization is trying to push right now is the fact that we are not moving. Hmm. The lack of movement is what is leading to the high blood pressures and, and, and the diabetes and all of these um, um, non-communicable diseases. So movement is actually much more important than... Or like fitness. Exactly. Like health, fitness. Yeah. Fitness. Move. Even if, it, even if it's just walking. But three hours. Okay. I mean, it will <laughs> be okay not to be okay it's, after it's, that. It's three hours that's broken up. So you will, we'll, for example, do 30 minutes of dance fitness and then a 15-minute break for you to go and grab something to drink. And in between, you know, or during that 15 minutes, we'll be talking about the latest um, fad or, you know, whether it's 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 
green juices or, you know, or the latest fitness apparel. Well, we do give you breaks in between. Okay, I think so we must not... organize for the Graham Shammers to come yes. and do a, a pop-up yes. gym session. Yes, Sure. <laughs> Definitely will not be okay after that. Letsejo, thank you so much for joining us on the Graham Sham today. I really loved having you and I, I really hope that you write that book. The, 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 the book is already in its second okay. draft. Fantastic. I've quietly writing it. I have not put it out there, but now the Graham Shammers know about it. We will be waiting <laughs> patiently, not so patiently for that book. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's for the Graham Sham for today. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Graham Sham podcast series with me, Joe Lurie.